if a person could have a person into like today's world, however negatively or positively we think about it, do you think it's more advantageous to have rich parents or a positive mindset? Welcome to the Picture of Wealth, a podcast all about living more of your life now, yet being responsible for your future. Lifestyle experimenter, wealth scientist, and financial coach Dustin Service shares life hacks, wealth tips, and interviews successful entrepreneurs on how they're thriving in happiness, purpose, and prosperity. All right, Frankie, today's episode, uh, you know, isn't going to be all about this, but pressing news is uh, the crypto <laughs> crash, uh, well, more or less the stock market. I think people are figuring out that the crypto market is very much so tied to the stock market as much as it's marketed that crypto is different and separate. Uh, it really is behaving like exactly like the NASDAQ or the tech stocks that are, you know, getting creamed. So what in the in the 32 year old world, oh, you just had a birthday actually, didn't you? I did. Thank you. Uh, are you now 32 or you're? 32? I am. Thir- I'm now 32 in one week. Okay. So uh, <laughs> you're 32.001. In yeah. that space, uh, in your friend circle, what is like, do your friends even notice the investment world or is it even being talked about in this last couple of weeks in your social circle? No. Not at all. The only reason I know about crypto is because I follow this um, kind of a political YouTube channel. My husband okay. got me into it because he's he's American. So they follow American politics and they kind of market themselves as like outsiders. And one of the guys is really into crypto. So he they did a story on it. I actually just watched this morning about everything crashing. But his advice, and I was actually surprised because people usually give the di- disclaimer, like, I'm not a financial yeah, advisor, yeah. I'm not giving advice. But he openly, his advice was, stay in there, it'll get better. <laughs> well, that we've talked about this before the podcast, and I really think the true crypto people are evangelists uh, for the industry. And so people who have bought in for their own um money interest they want crypto to come back up and go up uh mm. obviously for monetary reasons but they also buy into the story and you know it, it is it's hard you know right now with the market being where it's at is i hope we air this episode soon enough that it benefits people but the market goes two ways it goes up and it goes down it really is and some some days it's both uh, but really, on a long-term scale, you know, when the market is the absolute worst, that can usually be the best time to invest. But you don't know that until the future. Mm-hmm. So what happens is you look at a graph and you see that it's up, and it becomes easy to go, "Oh, well, obviously investments are good. I should invest." When your probability of making big returns is actually lower if it's been up, 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 up. When you know. You know, I'm I'm generalizing a lot uh, here, and again, it's not a, a buy or sell time, but I I a recommendation. I would say that it's worthy of paying attention right now because if this kind of goes on for a while, then you know humans are innovative and and they come back to the the circle. And this week in a newsletter I wrote to investment clients, you know, supply and demand, and why does the market go up? Why does it go down? Is very much so tied to consumers' behavior. Mm-hmm. Here's my question to you. Uh, lately, I know that you're you're not a big spender, but you like what is your latte factor right now? Are you do you buy coffees? Do you care? Or is that not a thing in in your? Um, I'm probably too 
two to three uh, out outdoor coffees a month. Well, so the, you're you're not my target. I'm, you're not a good setup <laughs> for my point. But my my point would be is that you know people go, well, why do the stocks go down? Well, the stocks go down because when people get like kind of uh, restricted and they don't have as much uh, you know government free money and they are having mm-hmm. higher interest rates because the, the government's raising interest rates. So interest rates go up, that restricts, you know, maybe they're refinancing their house. Now their mortgage payments are more expensive. They don't buy a Starbucks maybe as often. Well, that might lead to Starbucks' profit being less. All of a sudden the stock becomes perceived to be less value. Stock comes down. All of a sudden the economy goes like that for a while. Then people start feeling better about their lives or the, you know, productivity is picking up. They get a raise, whatever it is. and now they feel better to buy a Starbucks and then they start mm-hmm. buying Starbucks. And now the profit of Starbucks goes up. The market starts to realize that or traders or stock people. And so, oh, Starbucks is worth a little bit more. Buy up the price. And then the price starts to come back up. So, you know, clients, for anyone listening now, th- this is normal. As much as we feel like the world has so many bad things happening, look back over time through all the arcs and valleys of the, of the market. We've always had stuff going on and this is just a normal thing. Um, so again, I can see why tying it back to that, that guru of like, hang on, you know, whether it's crypto or whether it's stocks, it is, uh, it's hard to time the market. But like right now, I think a lot of people fight with, well, why don't I just sell out now, wait for it to go to the bottom and then I'll get back in and I'll miss out on that drop. But the mm-hmm. hard part is, you don't know when how far the drop goes and when it starts to come back up, it might go up for a while and you don't quite realize it's like, oh, that's actually gone up 20, 30%. Well, I'll buy in when it comes back down. And then you're, you're constantly fighting the emotion behind investing. And so the, the strategy you know, we often talk about is the only way to mitigate that is instead of doing a big lump sum deposit now, start doing weekly deposits. And so, you know, invest every week. So if you have a hundred grand to invest uh, right now, because you you just all have it, maybe you start doing (laughs) a thousand dollars a week. That's $4,000 a month, uh, or maybe do 500. And so then you get kind of in at these little tranches uh, along the way. So I, I think that's, that's kind of a good segue to, you know, what we're talking about today. And, and I, I can only imagine what questions you will ask me, but I, uh, I'm, we've got it kind of rolling. So let's dive into what, uh, what you want to know today. Cool. So is the conventional wisdom that these things always write themselves and that eventually it'll always go up? Oh man, give me the hard ones right away. So just, no I'm one has a crystal curious. ball, but in the, in the past, certain asset classes. So if you look back, you know, it's no guarantee of the future that all of a sudden this is the turning point that, that makes everything in my lifetime and my parents' lifetime very different than it, it has been. But, you know, yes, that's, that seems to be the case where it's this big, like I talked about arcs and valleys. And it, yeah. just, it goes up and it goes down and it goes up and it comes down. And I, I would say that, you know, you look at like a, a, a banking stock uh, right now they're getting dragged down by the, by the weight of the market. And so people are just getting out of stock. So, or, or 
more people are selling than are buying. And that's what makes it go down. And so they get, they're taking their money out, even though, you know, many of the Canadian banks are a very, very profitable business. So it, in, in, in all the options of people that they can put their money into, uh, traditionally, if, if I asked listeners, who are the five wealthiest people, you know, that are in, that are, in, that, you know, like not just mm-hmm. no one social media, but like that, you know, I would beg to guess that a large percentage of them are business owners. They own a business that does well, it produces profit and, uh, and that's how they became wealthy. So it's the same with stocks as you look at like, well, I could put my money in a savings account, which gets you know very low interest. I could put my money uh, in real estate, which is still going you know fairly strong right now. But if, if the stocks are a leading indicator of the future, that that might change. Uh, or I can invest in a business. And if you work somewhere or you don't have the energy to start your own business, why not invest in in a different business? And the public market is a way to do that. So you could take Royal Bank, for example. You look at Royal Bank of Canada and say, well, I, I know what they do. I know what that business is in the business of. It's in the business of banking. And for, you know, quote me, 100 years, they seem to have done a good job of it and made it through all sorts of economic turmoil. And throughout that period have paid their investors a dividend. And in the in the video that I mentioned to, to clients, you think of like a rental house. Everyone understands rental houses, they have a house and you have it paid off. So there's no mortgage. So it's really simple. You have a house, it has a renter in it and that renter pays you rent. So let's say you paid $100 for this house. That'd be great to buy a yeah. home for $100. <laughs> and every year that renter paid you $10. Okay, I get it. Yeah. 100 bucks. $10 a year in 10 years, you would get all your original money back. And then every year after that, you would get basically $10 a year of rent. And that's just gravy. That's money. That's just made out of thin air. So in the stock world, it's the same. If, if we could get it by a company for hundred dollars and get $10 back a year, that's, that's a 10% yield. That's good. And then you get your, your money back. If you could buy a company for hundred dollars, and they pay you 20 a year, mm-hmm. you get your money back in five years. So when you think of like an investment in like really simple terms of how fast do I get my original money back? That's an easy way to kind of stack things together. Should I buy this rental house for $100 and only get $10 back a year? Or could I buy this RBC stock for $100 and get $20 a year back? And, and that for people kind of makes the gears click of, okay, they are different beasts. I get that you can't drive by your RBC stock. You can drive by the RBC bank on the street and, and know, okay, they're, <laughs> they're, still, you know, they're still in business. <laughs> and often people go, oh, I, I don't know what the stocks are. It's, it's so just paper and, and whatever. Uh, well, it, it isn't when you really strip it back. And, and that's what we talk to people a lot about is, is knowing what you own. And a lot of people put their money into the stock market and it's just sort of just out there. But when you, when you have a real simple investment and it can be explained to you like that, it makes it easier to say, like right now, I haven't looked lately, but RBC stock is, pro- is down. So 
you were paying this much for it a month ago. Now it's here, but they're still making good profit and paying their dividends out. Uh-huh. So now you're actually getting your money fat. You're getting your money back faster than you would have a month ago. It starts to become interesting uh, things. So I can't even remember your original question, but I kind of ranted there. No, that was basically, basically an answer and plus more. <laughs> um, so I think we can tie these two things together, but I, it'll maybe seem like the question's a little out of left field. But have you ever heard of something called the ocean personality test? I have not. I've heard of the blue ocean strategy, but not an ocean personality test. Enlighten okay. Me. All right. So I'll ask you first. So I'll tell you five qualities. Openness to new experiences. Conscience. Oh my God. Conscientiousness. Yeah, you Do you know French the word I'm there. trying to Conscientious, say? Conscientious, yeah. Consci- oh my God. I'll fill it in. Um- <laughs> it's all that time in Montreal. <laughs> yeah. Um, extroversion. Okay. Agreeableness and neurotic, neuroticism. Right. Which I also feel like might not be a word, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so five qualities, which one would you choose for yourself? Oh, that's a tough, I was, I was kind of like checking the list off as, you know, maybe that exposes some of my ego, but, um, but you just, you think you're everyone except I would think the first four neurotic, (laughs) I would say odd sometimes or quirky, but, uh, so what, what is the test trying to get at? It's like, you have to be one thing. No. Okay. Well, we can like, we can uh, drag the test because I, I had some similar like um, criticisms of it. Cause it's like, yeah, obviously people are more than one quality, but I guess it's like your dominant, your dominant quality and the quality that maybe dominates your decision processes. So, and like also things like, so it's, I just said like the most basic um, description of the qualities that they use to make the acronym, but it's like openness to new experiences means like you're really adventurous. So you'd be more prone to like maybe take on risks, mm-hmm. uh, conscientiousness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, <laughs> um, means like you're maybe more like oriented towards the community or like people around you and looking after other people and like less of an individualist extroversion. I'm not sure how that would in- impact your decision-making. Well, you get influenced. So if you're extroverted, you, you maybe be more social. Um, and I always say that, you know, extroversion leads to more luck because mm-hmm. if you're meeting people and you're, you're kind of just like comfortable with connecting, then you're getting exposed to, to a bunch of different things. I now see the parallel though. I, I was lost at the start. I now see, so ocean is, is almost, and I, I wrote it down. I think it will be beneficial actually. And, and for listeners, and I, I almost, I'm going to try it. In some of my meetings coming up to, to vet people. So I see where you're going. It's like to, to know what sort of is there a part two to it? So it's like we identify if we're those things. And that well, helps. Yeah. I'm asking because I, I found an article that says the, it's literally titled why wealth managers are assessing clients' personalities. Ah. So it talks about people um, 
you make, like they make their clients take this test and you figure out what their, what their personality type is. And then it helps you not only determine like what a good strategy, investment strategy would be, but then also like how to communicate better with that client. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So usually, usually when, when I'm assessing risk, we, we talk about, you know, cause in financial advisor land, it's, uh, it's pretty boring and it's pretty <laughs> abstract. Well, it really, how does it, how does a piece of paper really know a person? And I think that's the hardest part of like figuring out who the, who is an investor. Cause you say, well, are you, this is like 17 years ago, questions I would ask people, uh, are you low risk, medium or high? Yeah. It's like, well, what, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm me- you know, like everyone would just pick medium. They say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not really high risk, but I'm not really low. So I'm medium. Well, now the questions have evolved to your appetite to take on risk. So there's, there's a person's like what they think in their brain. And that is tying into what you're talking about. Then there's mm-hmm. a person's ability to take on risk. So what that form does not take into account, you know, when I meet people, we we're getting right into the the weeds of their stuff. And I might know that hey, this client might be younger uh, or or maybe older. It could they could be whatever. But I know that they've got an inheritance coming because they're an only child and it's going to be 3 million dollars. So this client might say that um I'm I'm very high risk. And I I might be thinking, well, you don't have a lot of money in your hands Mm -hmm. to be doing high. Like you don't have the, you don't have the capacity to lose here, but that, so that's what the form would kind of dictate. And we would say, well, I don't know if you should be high risk because if you lose this, because you got your chance are higher of losing, of having less money because of fluctuations, but then they have this inheritance. I might make an exception or Maybe that person has a piece of real estate that's worth a million dollars and it's paid off. Mm -hmm. So their appetite for risk is one thing. That's what they think they should be. And then their ability to take risk is another thing. And I think your, your ocean strategy takes it a bit. I I like it. I think it's, um, it's easy for people to kind of go. So what are the openness? Yeah. Conscientiousness. Yeah. E is which? Extroversion. Extroversion. A is agreeable. Yeah. N is neuroticism. Neurotic, Neurotic. yeah. And you can take an in-depth quiz online to see what you are. I got neurotic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I was thinking it was like a wheel. Like you'd have the words kind of around the wheel and then you draw a line and kind of like one to 10 out the wheel, 10 being, you know, lots. And so you'd see kind of- Actually, the quiz that I took, it was kind of, well, it, it gave, it like broke you down. So I actually got, I was like 80% open to new experiences, but then like 90% neurotic. And that's right. Like, why are you neurotic? Well, I'm no, I think because it actually, there were lines between them that made sense. Like it, this site, I don't know if it's reputable or it was literally the first Google hit. <laughs> it just was defining a lot of the openness to new experiences for some reason was like connected to art and like uh, an appreciate, like a lot of the questions were like, I like going to art museums or like, I like, 
I think art is important to society. Which so is obviously, like I, I clicked like highly agree for that. But then a lot of the neurotic questions I could tell were like, I worry a lot or like I have pessimistic, dark thoughts. So I click like, I agree. <laughs> like I have that. And then, but for me, like those things, I don't know. I feel like in general, people who are in general, people who are interested in art or more artistic are like really sensitive and prone to darker or like darker thoughts and mood swings and things like that. So that, so it made sense when I saw the breakdown and then it's, and then it was like, pay, pay more to read the rest. So I, I obviously didn't pay. I just had a flash question. Uh, (laughs) Do you have mood swings uh, as it applies to your income? Um, Like in relation. So if your income goes up, you're better mood or down if you, cause you are somewhat self-employed. Yeah. Um, I definitely have, have mood swings in regards to maybe not necessarily my income because I don't feel like my income is directly, it is related, but not directly related to like my art or my writing. Hmm. Like, I think that I would be in a better mood if I got some sort of success with my writing, good news, that didn't necessarily come with a paycheck. That would put me in a better mood than if I, you know, got a non-writing, non-creative job or paycheck. Right. So oh, it's such good. Yeah. That's uh yeah, I'm I'm in a bit of a a, a middle ground because uh, for most of my life it was like income equals smile on face, uh, mm-hmm. and now having children, seeing them succeed in sport, and you know, again, I've talked about my my sons and you know what they're up to, and and seeing them, you know, whether it's score a goal or run or, you know, my little guy, he's such a you know brave go getter. Uh, yeah, that's that's led to sort of a newfound appreciation for non-income things, uh, whether Mm -hmm. it's at the gym or it's, you know, being proud of something you built, you know, again, our property is big and there's things to build all the time. So, uh, I still struggle a little bit with, um, with the watermark of like your income's going, going, going. And if it doesn't stay on that same trajectory, there's a pang of like, oh, I'm not doing as good as I, I could. And as an entrepreneur, again, it's, I've been around for like almost two decades. It's, I, I think something you get better at, but it's, it's still um, uh, you know, something that to work on to recognize success. And so yesterday I wrote, I've got a calendar on my wall, a couple markers that by the end of the year, if those markers are achieved, then, you know, and they're not monetary. Uh, there is mm-hmm. one monetary, but there's a couple other ones. It's like every you know, month I put some different colors on days that I do certain things or, or achieve certain things. And that's, that's sort of a, a way to measure the success. So uh, in, in your world, though, in art, so you're saying awards would be more, re- more re- rewarding than income. And yeah, I mean, I'm not even talking about, I mean, I do, I do think there's a correlation between 
I mean, if you're being recognized, generally that's coming with some money, some more stable income than, for example, like what I experienced with my like creative writing right now. I'm basically not making anything. Like if yeah. unless I get a, a grant from the government, um, I'm certainly not making enough to live off of it. Um but yeah, I mean I I honestly and sometimes it you know it makes me sad sometimes. Like I if I get a not even like an award, but sometimes I'll get like a random Instagram message from someone who's like, I read your book or I read this, like it was cool. And like that makes me happier than if, yeah, than if I, I mean, I do, I like working, but, um, but I do, yeah, that, that honestly like makes me happier. So it's, in, um, in a year from now, mm-hmm. I'm going to put you in the client seat for a sec. In a year okay. from now, <laughs> we're sitting down having a, a BS on the podcast and you're like, I'm so happy about xyz in my personal or professional life what has to happen between now and 12 months from now for you to feel happy about your progress Mm, i do i need to settle my my income right now is really sporadic i'm not working enough like paid work so i and right now i'm in the process of like i've had a few interviews and i'm trying to find more um more stability in that. And I actually like to get back to your point where I just said like, yeah, my mood's not related or my moodiness is not related to income. Like obviously having stability takes a huge pressure off like for anyone that, that makes you like, you know, makes you happier. Um, and then honestly, in terms of creative stuff, like it's hard to say because I feel like I've honestly, like, I don't know if I want to get too into this, but I feel like I have had the same goals for a long time and they haven't happened. So yeah. I'm sort of tired. And as interesting as one of the questions you sent me was like, is it ever a good idea to give up? And I certainly am not at all like in that place, but I am in the place of like, honestly having like maybe like five years ago, uh, I was, I like first discovered like a lot of this like mindset um, like right affirmations, like that kind yeah, of philosophy. Yeah. And it was so exciting to me and so motivating. And like, I did the affirmations. I did all this like journaling and work about like imagining my success and what I wanted. And it just like, hasn't happened. And a, a part of me is like, well, I like, I need to try harder. I need to try harder. But another part of me sometimes feels like it's exhausting to have goals like that. Uh, and kind of be like, just feel continuously disappointed that I would rather like put some of that stuff aside for a little while. I don't know. Does well, that sound? Now. So uh, you're older than you were before when you did the goals. <laughs> yeah, but I will say I got a blood test this morning, and fifty percent chance the woman was just trying to relax me, but she did tell me I looked twenty-two. <laughs> you said I was thinking the blood test is going to like something crazy, but, uh, so I think, so I uh, can appreciate that. And my wife and I go through all sorts of stuff. She's doing some great work right now. Um, I'm not as into it as she is right now, but at the same time I have done 
those sort of videos. And sometimes before my workout, I'll watch like a five minute, you know, kind of raw, raw thing. And it, it does, it does help settle your brain on like, I don't need to figure out how I need to just mm-hmm. visualize something that I want or something to happen or some behavior or something. I need to always remind my staff, think, wow, not how, because everyone gets stuck on how, like, how is this going to happen? Well, um, I I can tell you that there's a couple guests in this podcast that are, uh, you know, people that I'm not, I wasn't certain would, would be on a, on this podcast yet at the early stages of it, but reading a certain book about luck, one day it happened. I was reading the book. I'm like, oh, I sent an email to this person. Right away, he responded, yeah, I'll be on it. This person's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. So he, he, yeah, I got time that day and it was literally next week. I'm like, this guy never has time. And I, I know mm-hmm. him, but I barely know him. And so, um, you know, it was like, well, why did that happen? Well, I put an intentional, have better guests on the podcast like two weeks before that. So there's sort of like this, this this energy around it of like not thinking about how it's going to get done and just believing that it's going to happen. The second piece that I don't think those manifestations and goals and all that stuff talk about is there needs to be a, a, a level, a certain level of curiosity and passion behind the goal. And I, I, sometimes I think we can, we lose that. And then the goal needs to be changed because you're not going to be excited about doing the steps that are going to lead to the goal. And if, if you've lost the sort of like that driver and that goal, it doesn't mean what it used to mean five years ago, mm-hmm. then you need to get one in there that either it's the same goal, but you've written it different. And so you view it different. And you know, again, fitness, I hate to be this like a dead horse, but it's something that I am familiar with. It's like, I, you know, again, my goals of fitness have always been pretty specific, but say I want to, I want to get more in shape. And I wrote on there, I want to bench press whatever. Because mm-hmm. in my head, I, at that time, I was just lifting heavy, go to the gym, put on your wife beater t-shirt and just like lift. Because I'm like, okay, I'm going to get more, more bench. That's going to make me more fit where the reality is you could mountain bike. And so you never thought you'd be into mountain biking, but you met a new friend that you're, you know, maybe it's a business friend, maybe it's a personal friend, or maybe it's your spouse and they bike. And you're like, no, no, like I bench press. Like that's how I'm going to get in shape. Like I'm not, I'm not a biker, but all of a sudden, you know, your, your spouse is going biking once a week with a cool group of people mm-hmm. or your new friend that you're like, they just moved to town and moved your neighbor. We used to live in a place and a new person moved in and they biked and it was like, oh, I enjoy those conversations. So now all of a sudden it's like, I want to get in shape. My, my reality doesn't look like my goal, but the result of my current reality will get me to my goal. And I I think that's, that's where, uh, you know, revisiting those goals and and saying, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. you don't got a nuke all of them, but if you had five goals and you're like, this is just taking forever, uh, then maybe you get rid of two of them and put Mm -hmm. two new ones in that are of equal status to you or, you know, accolades. And then, you know, I'm, I can definitely resonate with you. Um, 
right now about, you know, it's having, you know, income goals, but really I enjoy this kind of, I enjoy being around people. So it's like, well, if Mm -hmm. my income was a little bit lower, but I was around people more and could help more people, would that be as rewarding? And so the goal then becomes not the revenue. It becomes, can I see this many people in a week? And in, in a roundabout way, if you did see that many people there, I'm sure the revenue would probably come. So it's like, right. It's just kind of re rejigging, rejigging the, this, the stress. So in, in your world, the stress, and you, you know, you talked about the artist and the dark thoughts that the dark thoughts about money are what, or are there any? I mean, I think my dark, like, I would say it's, I mean, obviously these things come hand in hand, but for me, I don't necessarily think of it as dollar amounts or like, oh, I need to have this, this much in savings or whatever. It's more about like security, which is so vague. And I couldn't mm-hmm. even really define that. Um, but I think a lot about like, oh, I'll never, I'll never have enough. We'll never be stable enough to like have kids. And then if I have kids, then um, our standard of living will go down or I won't be able to be as creative. And then I'll like resent my children. Yeah. Yeah. It's, those are super real thoughts. Yeah. If your husband's income was double what it is now, would you still feel like you needed security? Well, I mean, I would say no, but I know what, like, I feel like people nowadays in general, what's really common is no matter how much you have, you're, everyone is worried all the time. And I think about that a, a lot. Like, I think sometimes we're so focused on like doing better and doing better and doing better. And even like for anything, like financially or like, what I'm talking about, which I feel like uh, at the root of it is the same, like having like artistic success. I At university, I had a professor who was, I couldn't imagine anyone being more successful than him. Like he's won huge international prizes. He's famous. Like he's been on like late night shows and you would hear stories of him complaining that, oh, he heard someone else got a bigger book deal than him. Or he's devastated because like his, the pilot from one of his books didn't get picked up. So that, I mean, that kind of freaks me out too, that it's never enough. Yeah. I I would say that the worries shift. So in, in, in my service wealth business, we have 47 high net worth families that we handle their stuff. And, and although they don't worry about, can they spend a hundred dollars at, at the grocery store on some nice wine, they worry about other stuff. It's just the, the, so it's all, it's a personality thing of like, can you manage your, your thoughts? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially, you know, someone your age and sort of where you're at in life, it's like, there's a lot of, you know, the next five years, I'm sure will be quite different for you guys and, and become, you know, hopefully more stable, but, but maybe it's almost our minds become more, uh, some people's minds become more active and the more social media they're on, the more active in a negative way it becomes, but hopefully you can, you know, with the right sort of mind nourishment and books and podcasts, you can get grounded in yourself. And that's a happiness. I think that comes back to happiness, which is what we talk about in the podcast of like, it isn't money. 
but there is a certain amount of money that does make life a lot easier. And, and for someone who, who's very you know good at their spending and doesn't kind of overspend, I think the income level, and I've talked about a little bit before is about 120,000. And, and people often say like, well, how are kids ever going to you know buy a house in this economy or, or, you know, how are young people? So it's like, they need a lot of income. And that's mm-hmm. understated right now that like, Oh, everything's about work-life balance. Well, it is, but there's a certain amount of hard work that needs to be done up front to then establish that. You can't really just overdo the balance right now by not working mm-hmm. because there's a whole bunch of stress that comes along with that. And it's, it's something that I've lately been advocating for of like up your skill level, up, you know, reinvest. You know, if you don't like the stock market, fine, reinvest in yourself, reinvest in, up your skill reinvest in your network of people. So whether that, you know, people like membership, the the word membership of things is not dead. And maybe it's going to come back with COVID being sort of subsided. But, you know, when my father was like back, you know, my age membership, like at the golf and country club was like the thing that was like, that was like social media. That was like where you went to like connect with like-minded people. I think our generation, you know, I'm a little bit older than you, uh, we don't have that same affinity to one thing. We don't right. just have golf or we don't just have the ski club. We do multiple things. And with social media, you can connect with people and be in multiple groups, uh, you know, but being part of those, those, you know, groups and learning who's, who can help you out and who you can serve and who you can help will up income opportunity. And I, I know it's, it's like money doesn't buy happiness, but there is a certain number that someone needs to get to either by not spending or expecting a lot. They can have, mm-hmm. you know, uh, an income at this level and be, you know, totally fine. But it's hard, especially young, younger people, you know, 30 years old, 40, you know, they, if you, if you want things, then, then it's going to, it requires income. So Yeah. Yeah, I thought a lot about housing this week. I was I'm working on something for Laura's financial, um, like about the the housing market, and I found you know like honestly, like for me, that's not even something on my radar, like ever owning something. Like I, I yeah, but uh, just don't care uh, or just don't believe it's a reality. Um, I don't believe it's a reality, uh, or at least there's things that I think that I would want or actively work towards or whatever work means for the next five to 10 years. And owning a home is like not on that list. Yeah. Um, And I, I mean, I do think that things are really stacked against young people in a way like they weren't. um, I mean, I don't know. I'm not an expert, maybe even 10 years ago, definitely like for my parents' generation, but I, I mean, it definitely seems like, you know, if you're lucky, if you have, you have a high income, maybe it is possible, but you're getting a lot less for a lot more money. And I, I had a really frank conversation with a friend of mine who owns her, well, she, she bought a house with her brother in Edmonton and she's 30. So she's younger than me. Uh, and she's worked since probably since she was 23, like worked a full-time professional job. She says she and she, like she was open about all the numbers, which I found yeah. incredible. Well, that's your generation. Um, We've talked about that. Yeah, like open. um, she says she makes eighty 
80 grand a year. And she didn't say how much, I don't know if her brother wasn't comfortable with her talking about that. She didn't say how much he makes, but they, they went in and they bought, I think she said they bought this place, including renovations. They probably spent about $400,000. And in the, the two years they've had it, it's now probably worth around 500,000 just in two years. Yeah. But at the same time, she was really open and she, I'm not like dragging her. Like my parents have supported me through a lot of things too. Um, But she said like for young people, if you're buying a house today, it's not a question of like what you want, what your income is. It's a question of, are your parents helping you? And they, they didn't help her on the down payment, but they, um, they helped her. I mean, they helped her through school. She lived at home for a number of years so she could save money. And then another thing kind of related to what we talked about before in terms of like financial literacy is that her parents were, uh, she said she didn't grow up with a lot of money. Her parents never owned their home when she was growing up, but they were incredibly conscious of teaching her and her brother financial literacy. And like they set her up with stocks and uh, an RRSP when she was 18. Right. And so by the time she's 30, she was like, that was a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of like the, you know, prescribed like uh, putting a bandaid on the wound or trying to not have the wound uh, in the first place or, you know, preventative medicine, same idea of like, it starts now. And I think our podcast lately, I've, I think are super important for younger people and and even getting down to you know, people in their twenties establishing that. And, you know, we see it with some of our wealthy clients. I just had a meeting on Tuesday where the clients are saying, we want to give the clients or they want to give their kids who are like in their twenties, some money right now, Mm -hmm. but uh, we don't actually even want to tell them. And so instead of when they pass away, we're looking at this estate and saying, you know, you guys are going to spend X amount of dollars the rest of time. And, and we could double it and you're still going to leave your kids millions of dollars. So why not help them out, help them buy a house, do, you know, help them buy an apartment building, whatever it is while they're, you know, maybe mid thirties. So like in 10 years, you'd go to them and say, Hey, actually we've got this stuff in your name now. And uh, so it's, it's starting to move. Um, I talked about it a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, like I'm starting to see clients that you know, had big mortgages and I'm meeting them and they're saying, Oh no, you know, we got 250,000. But that doesn't help the people that don't have that option. It comes with the education of uh, having a wealth mindset or a wealth plan before you have wealth. Cause a lot of people say, well, service, I looked at your website. I don't meet your account minimum. I'll come to you when I have X dollars. It's like, no, no, like get the plan now to have the wealth, not, wait and get a plan when you have wealth. And I think we should, uh, we should, uh, there's one book, Think and Grow Rich. Mm-hmm. Talked about it before, Napoleon Hill, very instrumental in getting your mind right uh, for, you know, just basic uh, setup. Also, uh, The E-Myth by Michael Gerber is a business book for anyone who thinks they want to be an entrepreneur. And the, the punchline in that book is, if you don't have a business that can run itself for 30 days and you still make income from it, so you're on holidays basically for 30 days, yeah. then 
that that's not a business. So if people get their mind going, okay, if uh, I have to work for an hour of work, you might have your own company, but if you're working for an hour of work of like your hour put in, get paid, that isn't a business. The business would be, if that's your business model, someone else you have hired works for less than you charge the client and you make a lift. And so now all of a sudden you've got scale. You've got a business that, um, you know, you, you charge out at $50 an hour, pay someone 20 and you make the 30 lift and you've got some expenses, but that you could be on a beach and make money from. So any sort of closing thoughts on that? Uh, again, I always <laughs> like your, your art, your artistic side and, you know, who in the art world, I'll just say, who in the art world makes a lot of money and, and why? Like, do true artists make money or do people who know how to market themselves and happen to do art make a lot of money? Yeah, I mean, I, would, I think as maybe it's always been like this, but especially nowadays, a lot of it comes down to, mar- comes down to marketing. And you see people like putting themselves out there in ways like, I probably could if I wanted to, but it's like feels so uh, like against every fiber of my being to like yeah. be on it in social media all the time. Um, I do have like a hugely like loaded question, but I truly respect whatever you say. <laughs> Fire away! I got my bulletproof so, vest on. So, so like we're talking. We're, <laughs> we're talking like a lot about mindset and I like really, I really appreciate like hearing about it. And I like, I believe in, in it too. And I, another thing, like not to just like ramble at the very end, but I feel like so many people are skeptical about mindset, but without realizing that like being pessimistic all the time and like telling yourself nothing's going to work out, like that's also a mindset. And like, those are also affirmations. They're just negative ones so like you're almost like proving your point by by being negative like i don't know if that makes sense what i'm saying but cut to the chase if a person could have a person into like today's world however negatively or positively we think about it do you think it's more advantageous to have uh rich parents or a positive mindset honestly Um, honestly, uh, as, as a hard, you know, so again, I view myself as someone who's worked hard, done education, tried to do the right steps. If it was me and you're starting with rich parents, uh, I see that as a major opportunity that you could maximize it. I don't know that it, like my parents aren't, aren't, are wealthy. They're, they have great attitudes and they have enough money that they're okay, but they're not rich in today's sort of world. So I don't know if that reason though, is why I'm like, I am now. So when I always say that, you know, I look at some of these, these kids of clients who have lots of money in big businesses, like, Oh, like, please go to school or please like, get skills and have the mindset. Like if you could take over this business, if it aligned with your passion, your launch pad would be, you know, if you're 25 and got into some business or or working with your parents or had the mindset of like, okay, my parents are wealthy. I don't have a down payment for a house, but I'm going to look for a rental house. 
I'm going to put some of my girlfriends in it and rent it, you know, or, mm-hmm. or friends and rent, I'm going to rent that. And then I'm going to get the other side and I'm going to make the math work. Even though it's expensive, my parents could help me. You learn that. And then it's like that little duplex turns into a fourplex turns into like a business, like turns into whatever, like there's huge opportunity. Um, but I, so that's my truthful answer, but the yeah. more right answer probably is the mindset because, and it isn't about, it's about having the curiosity and the patience to, to continually hone your mindset and, and learn why your brain is the way it is and, and, and then keep the good stuff and offload the bad stuff because you talked about it before and um, you know, clients five, six years ago were saying market's going to crash. Mm-hmm. Market's going to go down. And, and it's like, well, you don't, you don't know that. Uh, and you've missed out on a big upside from then till now. Now it's, you know, correcting, but like, okay, here's a better example, better example. Um, parent and a child who's um, starting running their own business and the parent ran a similar business. So parent runs XYZ company, adult child is now running a company similar to what the parent ran. And the child is running the business different than the parent, mm-hmm. making different choices, different like running, just choice different. And the parent is saying, "Oh my god, he's going to run it into the ground. You know, this is going to be bad. Like he's not making good decisions." And I'll say, well, "You don't know that." And like, do you want to be right? Like, right? <laughs> why, why do you want to be right? That's like, why not? Instead of saying that you know, talk to them or not like we, and just trust that you've kind of instilled those traits that you have. It just looks a lot different and older people Mm -hmm. find it very difficult to see in this day and age for the most part, I'm stereotyping, but younger people can be better with technology, which makes it more efficient. This particular industry, it's like they never barely had emails. They Mm -hmm. hardly have a website. Well, in that particular business, that would actually be leverage that would act, you could actually book appointments faster than the old, like phoning a landline and leaving a voicemail on the beep, like right. voicemail. And so maybe the younger person is, is getting more done. looks different. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so I think that's, uh, you know, a, a mindset thing that's, that's lost. There is, no evolution in mindset and the mindset stuff is always changing. Your reality is changing. The round the world is changing. Uh, there's new techniques. Again, there's, you know, if there is new techniques in the mindset space, but I really think after doing so many different gurus and different books, it's all the same stuff. We know it, right? but you use the new guru as a catalyst to implement maybe just a little bit different of a strategy. Hopefully Do you that- ever just, do you ever just get like so sick of like positive thinking and you just like veg oh. out on the couch and like go like panic doom? Like Based on the personality <laughs> you know of me, do you think that is uh lounge on the couch? I don't do well. Um, yeah, I but can't I, imagine. I'm picturing you in like sweatpants with like a tub of ice cream, like watching like, I don't know, like YouTube 
<laughs> Very <laughs> rarely. Me in sweatpants. Uh, I maybe when I had COVID, uh, it was on a Tuesday watching you know Top Gun at ten in the morning. But uh, I I would say though, um, I lost my train of thought. Just about the vegging and the the lounging. I know what I was going to say. So about two years ago, I did a year of no podcasts, no books, nothing, and it was out of just pure fatigue of trying to hit goals like you were talking about at the start, mm. not hitting them, not like, and I was doing everything. It was like, anytime I was in the car podcast, like something that was educational and inspiring. And I was amped up all the time. And, you know, I write, you know, I got a big, huge whiteboard in this office here, but it was a different office. Oh, just positive check marks everywhere, just stars and check marks. And I didn't hit those goals. I wasn't hitting those goals. And I just thought, uh-huh. you know what? I'm going to try it. What's the worst that can happen? I'll start listening to them. And I don't know if I made it exactly a year. I said I was going to go off for a year. Did you watch I, TV and movies? So we don't have cable. I haven't had cable in a decade. But we, we have Netflix and Amazon. Um, so yes, but I don't watch t- Like if we watch TV three, four nights a week, uh-huh. like my wife will watch Survivor or you know something like that. I'll be into it for maybe 20 minutes. And then I stand and watch for like 15 <laughs> minutes. And she's like, sit the frick down. Like, it's just so annoying, but uh, I just, I, or I'll bring my, my computer and, you know, I'll tweak the book that I've written and, or, or write stuff or write a blog or, or do something, try not to work, but I will, mm. I will want to be more productive than just taking in that show. And I, I've tried yeah. to be better. Um, you know, she watched a couple other ones that are a little more like emotional stuff that I've tried to get a little bit, let my emotions and just sort of yeah, ride to the show. You told me once off air that you watched Love is Blind. I, yeah, that one. <laughs> uh, and also uh, there's a million things. There's This Is Us. Uh, I, and again, I, I can hardly watch a whole episode, but I, I do find an interesting connection with, with Jody that we watch it and you kind of, it, it does provide real world discussion points on mm. complex mm-hmm. issues, but that's, that's engaging uh, fodder for the next day when we're having breakfast together or whatever. So yeah. Did that answer your question? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, mindset. Yeah. I appreciate I that. It. Yeah. All right, Frankie. Thanks. Thanks Can't so much. Next week. If you found this episode valuable, share it with a friend. If you found this episode super valuable, leave us a review on iTunes. It will help us continue to bring you top quality content. For more information on anything discussed on this show, visit www.servicewealth.com. That's service spelled S-E-R-V-I-S-S. Any investment topics covered on the show are not investment recommendations, and you should seek professional advice before making any investment decisions. This show was produced by Podigy Podcasts. Thanks for listening.